0: Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guests on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. I'm very excited to welcome onto the show today Julian Jazz Rignall. Um, Julian was a, a formative character in my uh, my life in video games. He was the, the editor back in the kind of 80s and 90s of uh, Meme Machines and CVG. Uh, he worked on Zap. He was the, I think he was the editor of Meme Machine SEGA. Um, just like a really kind of formative character, all of those magazines played such a huge role in in my life, like growing up. Um, I like I would buy all of them every month, like ages from the age of probably about like ten to about thirteen. I'd read them cover to cover, um, and and I really loved them. I would pour over the screenshots and read reviews. And Me Machines in particular had the uh, all the the staff had these amazing little caricatures of uh, each of them, and uh, I had I'm sure I had like a little Julian Rignall keyring as a kid. Um, so it was a real thrill to talk to him, you know. Like when I when I started doing uh, checkpoints, I, I made a list for myself of everyone that I would like love to speak to, my dream list of guests. Um, I will talk about that uh, a lot more next week or, or next episode. I don't know if I'm going to do it weekly. Anyway. Um, Julian was one of the first names on on that list for the kind of role that he played, uh, so it was really exciting to talk to him, and we had a, an excellent chat. And of course, he's done like loads more besides, you know, editing those magazines. He he moved to America and worked for a, a nascent kind of um, uh, Virgin Interactive, and uh, that's that's a hell of a story. In fact, uh, like I didn't know the full details of that, and he's since kind of continued working in in the press and on websites of various places. He he worked at IGN for years. Uh, more recently, he's been on sites like US Gamer uh, and his twitter feed is a, a real treat as well like he he's constantly tweeting kind of you know 25 30 year anniversary screenshots of magazines so like the games and the news of the time uh which are just it's, it's amazing we talk about this in the, the episode as well but it's just like amazing to see how how history repeats itself so yeah absolute treat of an episode Um i'm sure you will enjoy it and i'm sure when you you finish enjoying it you will go straight to itunes or stitcher or overcast or whatever listening device you used uh, and rate the show uh, accordingly (laughs) depending on how much you enjoyed it helps new people uh, discover the show if you really enjoy the show there's a patreon which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints and any and all donations received there go back into making the show as good as it possibly can be as always if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can you can email it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at Checkpoint Show on Twitter, or it's Checkpoints Podcast on Facebook. It's very important to have consistent branding. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think I've updated the Facebook page in at least six months. Um, partly because I just try not to use Facebook as much anymore, and partly because I'm kind of lazy and also really busy. Um, more on that next week, also. Oh, so here's the thing I, I found out, I, I'm not quite sure how this happened or how they found out about the show. Um, but I was on, uh, the, or the show rather, was on uh, a podcast called The Podcast Review Show, and they did a little kind of review and discussed checkpoints, which was uh, brilliant and really bizarre. Like, um, th- this was never intended to be kind of a, I don't know, a, a commercial prospect, <laughs> and good job too. Um, this has always been a labor of love, but just to hear kind of, uh, you know, very smart, articulate people, clearly, uh, just discussing the show and the the nature of the interview style and stuff it was it was good um and uh, and they enjoyed it which was the, the most important part um it's quite a fun show as well like they they talk about three different podcasts per episode and i discovered uh, a whole bunch of different ones there was a loyal cast in particular that they talked about that just sounded good so i listened to it and and it is uh, so so good job good job them and thanks very much for for checking out the show Okay, enough of the the intro waffle. Um, thanks, as always, for downloading the show. Please subscribe. Please dig into the archives if this happens to be your first episode. Last week's, or two weeks ago's episode with uh, with Chris Bell, uh, one of the... He was the lead designer on uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, which is one of the best games of the past five years. Uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant chat. So much uh, amazing insight in that and just wild stories. Um as there is in the upcoming episode. Uh, So I'll be back uh, next week, maybe, probably two weeks, but with a hell of a guest. Um, I will see you all then. Let's get on with the show. I'm so excited to talk to you, Julian. Like, I've done how many? When this this will be I think 100, episode hundred and twenty seven um and you're the first person that I've spoken to that uh, as a child, I drew pictures of <laughs> which is
1: <laughs> which is
0: a really unique thing out of everybody um did you, say, did you
1: ever send them into the magazine oh God
0: yeah, I did, but nothing ever came of it I mean I uh, say that I think my memory of that is is much stronger than the actual like I feel like I sent countless like dozens, but I probably sent two maybe. Um, and also, in my head, they're probably way better than they, they probably were in actual uh, actual life. Um, so before we get too far ahead of ourselves, uh, let's do a, a formal introduction. So Julian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. If you don't mind, would you introduce yourself?
1: I'm Julian Rignall, also known as Jazz Rignall. Um, I've, I've been around the industry for an awfully long time. We've been playing games since 1976 and writing about them since... 1983.
0: So That's a long time. That is a long time. So what are you? What are you up to now? You're, you've been in America yeah, I've been for in quite America a while since now,
1: 1994. You? So I've, I've spent almost as much time working in America as I did in the UK. In fact, I think I spent more time working in America than I did in the UK. Now I've, I've, I've just spent a little bit more time living in the UK since I grew up there as a child, and uh, I'm currently a Qualitative video game analyst, which means that um, I look at video games that are in development, or I might be, you know, having sort of new components added to them, um, and and basically I attend sort of focus group tests and watch people play these games and listen to them talk about them and turn those into reports for the client so hopefully they will help to make their games a little bit better
0: yeah i've spoken to a few i'm sure i think jeff green does that i had jeff green i'm sure that's what it there's a few journals i know that have kind of gone on to do that kind of consultancy work afterwards um i think it's, it's really interesting for you though because like because you've been doing it for for so long and you've kind of you've had a role in almost every kind of aspect of, of video games. Like, is there is there any part of you that's just like, oh, come on, give it a rest. Like, that just feels like, can I just do something else? I'm really sick of games now. Like, or has it always just been, because you've kind of done so many different things, is it kind of always? I did actually go here?
1: through a patch um, in the just after the turn of the century, beginning to sound really old now. Turn of the century, um, <laughs> but I got after after I worked at IGN for about four years. I got I, I got really burnt out. i i I'd, I'd been previously to that. I'd been working on me machines and computer and video games and uh, those magazines, and that had been a pretty crazy time. Um, yeah, very long hours, very very busy, demanding kind of work. Um, just doing lots of different things. Moved out to America. Uh, worked at Virgin Interactive Entertainment as as um, their VP of design. Um, that was insane. Virgin basically went went bust uh, in a very politically charged, very challenging kind of environment. And I went off to work at IGN.com. And that was also just really challenging, again, long hours, pretty crazy work. Um, and after after that, I was just really, really tired of video games, very burnt out. So I took some time off um, just to sort of figure out what to do. And I actually ended up doing um, advertising work for... For, oh, for about three years. Also worked at Bank of America. Um, okay. and, and, and also Walmart.com. Just doing different things there, using some of my expertise as a sort of uh, as really understanding content and how to talk to people. Um,
0: yeah, like a, a yeah, copyright. So basically
1: uh, like for for Walmart I was running the team that produced all of the descriptions of all all of the the stuff that they sell and
0: that sounds like was, kind of a fun surprisingly job surprisingly
1: entertaining walmart isn't wasn't a particularly good fit for me it's very like super ultra corporate so i didn't really fit in particularly well there but i learned a lot it was it was very interesting work and i learned you know how um you know a massive retailer works basically and how they how they operate and that was uh, it was fascinating to see the just the scale of the Operation, you know, Walmart is America's biggest employer of people outside of the the government, and um, you know they they earn billions of dollars in revenue a year. And just seeing the sort of the scale of how they move things around the country, and and it was just just like I said, very fascinating, just to see.
0: A slightly terrifying, I imagine. Yeah, you well. really get to
1: understand consumerism from a from a different kind of perspective you know um what people buy at different times of the year how retailers stock their shops you know if you go into a walmart all of the bargains are right in front of you uh everything else in the store's regular price so so You know, that's always a good tip for Walmart. If you see something near the door that's on sale, that's actually a good deal. Um, because they put all of their best their best (laughs) wares right out front to kind of get you into the, you know,
0: mood of buying. They're kind of making inroads into the UK as well, they because they like they own Asda, and I'm pretty sure that Asda are now buying Sainsbury, so that's all gonna be under the the walmart umbrella like they are they are really aiming themselves at being like the by and large like yeah, and they, they're from, certainly from taken Wally, over you know? america
1: and uh you know they've got cash to burn so it's between them and walmart uh, not walmart uh, amazon these days it'd be interesting to see sort of who, yeah. who will eventually come out on top and uh um but they you know they do two free free two-day delivery out here and all that stuff so they're really trying to compete with amazon now um
0: so. Oh man. Well, before we go uh we get too into the kind of bleak corporate wars yes, of the twenty first century, um let's go back, let's talk about video games. So uh Julian, if you can remember, uh what was your very first experience of a oh, video Oh, that
1: would have been a binatone pong system in uh in Woolworths. And that was when I was still very young, and I remember being going shopping with my mum and uh and my brother and my mum wanted to... that We're was in, in the uk was this on the west coast of wales oh no way i'm oh, from newport a, wales, yeah really i grew there. up in wales so um i loved it there and and
0: oh, Aberystwyth is really nice it's got that cool railway that's there, right and
1: railway. um it had a couple of couple of nice arcades so that was perfect for me growing up of oh, yeah, course, yes. The, yeah. the Royal like Pier it. and the King's Hall, which has since been knocked down. And, um, yeah, basically, my mum was buying my brother something, and so I was just wandering around Woolies looking at things, and I remember seeing this video game system. I didn't quite know... I'd, I can't remember if I knew exactly what it was but it you know I fiddled about with the buttons and pressed a few things and figured out how it worked and and figured out that it had a you know you know you could just play it and and I just remember being absolutely fascinated by it and and just sitting there playing it for probably 20 minutes or so while my mum did her shopping and uh having to be peeled off it when she came back to find me and just just instantly fell in love with this this thing that worked on a tv it just seemed like the coolest thing to me and uh and that was the spark that really you know i really wanted a pong where she never actually got one but but uh, you know (laughs) from that point onwards i was aware of video games and would you know pick up magazines yeah. and things like that and and look at the ads and uh, the, the the games in the ads and and just really wish that that I could have a, have a video game system
0: it's it's interesting though because like because you mentioned you grew up in Aberystwyth so I'm assuming um like I know like the Home was one of the, the very first kind of home consoles and stuff but like one of my favorite things about doing this show is that, like, I'm, I'm 36, so I've kind of, I've grown up with video games, and so they've become better and more exciting. I think there's, like, two or three generations that have just grown up with video games in a really exciting way. But there, there, there is definitely an element in my youth where there was, like, here are video games, and it was, like, my first experience of a thing that could, you know, mess about with the TV, you can interact with the TV. And it's, like, a proper, you know, like, I've used this analogy before, but, like, the, the monolith in 2001. Um, but because you grew up in Aberystwyth, so I'm, I'm assuming there would still have been arcades before that. So would you kind of had like a, a kind of peripheral awareness that, you know, these things existed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, I, mean? you know I, I, I do remember playing kind of old mechanical arcade games in on the Royal Pier in Aberystwyth. And, you know, the that, that things like guiding a ball through a maze. And I remember there being, um, it was a, actually a, A video of a car chase, and it was a it was a coin-op machine with a wheel on the front end, and you basically it played the video, and you tried to steer along to the video, and if you didn't steer correctly, a a light would flash, but if you did steer correctly, you know you the the score would increment, and that was a very that That sounds kind of amazing amazing at the time as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing. I think that comes from the maybe the early seventies. But I remember playing that. It wasn't really a video game, but it was it was a precursor to a video game. So that was even earlier. But um, but yeah, I remember playing. I wonder how that worked. Like I feel like that
0: that would just be arbitrary. Like the light just flashes like every twenty seconds, whatever. Just get yeah, the kids I think I, I
1: guess it must have. Re-
0: because I don't quite understand. I how think that would it remembered work, yeah.
1: sort of where the, the critical points where you'd steer around a corner, and the car would, you know, the car would go around the corner, and you'd you'd sort of have to steer right in time to it. And if you, I remember playing it and and doing it correctly and getting a score. So something definitely functioned. It it probably had some kind of memory sort of thing that you you would that, that tracked. Sort of how basically the steering wheel inputs and matched into the video, so yeah, I I imagine it must have been very rudimentary, but um, but like I said, it did, it did. I remember being quite excited by the experience,
0: absolutely. Um, and you mentioned a second ago that you started to kind of read in magazines and stuff like what were the because for me, like me machines and CVG, like that, those were. My first introduction and lots of people I've spoken to on the show as well, like that was their way like prior to the Internet that was discovering, oh, there's a whole world of people that like the things that I do. It's not just the weird thing that I'm into. Um, And there's a real communal sense to that. So what were the magazines for you in in your youth? I can't think of any before. Um,
1: Let's see. First of all, it was things like the Maplin catalog that had computers that you could build. (laughs) Okay. So that was really, really (laughs) early on. Um, My brother was really into electronics, so he used to get the Maplin catalog. So I remember looking through those and being fascinated by the calculators that you could buy, the computers, the synthesizers that you could also buy and build yourself. Um. those are really interesting and then then it was basically the early computer games magazines uh, I used to buy computer and video games magazine when it launched so that was in 1981 and personal computer games I, I bought some issues of that um, crash magazine when it launched in 1983 so so, so oh, you know, of course yeah it was it was definitely catalogs and sort of Odd magazines like um, Popular Electronics, things like that—they would occasionally have computer ads in them. And my brother used to get those magazines because, like I said, he was interested in electronics. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was it was the the very early computer games magazines that I grew up with. So th- those are the ones that really inspired me to go on to to write.
0: And, like, aside from that, like, growing up in kind of Aberystwyth or maybe you moved afterwards, like, did you did you find yourself kind of, like, making friends through games, like, forming your kind of social circle around other kids who were into games? Or was it, like, just your own interest or, like, you know, clearly your brother had some interest in, in aspects um, of
1: it? it was when I was a little bit older and I, I used to go to the arcades regularly. I met a lot of people through video games by playing in the arcades. Um you know you just get to know familiar faces and and the, the people that um that had high scores and that you were competing with you know I'd I'd watch people play and 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 learn from them and vice versa um so the, the, the arcades were very social Aberystwyth is a very small town so you know everyone went to the same the same, there was only just two schools a Welsh school and an English school I went to the English school and um you know, you just got to, to 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 see the same faces all the time, so everyone would become familiar. You know, you know, you aren't friendly with everybody, obviously, but you know, you definitely get friendly with a yeah. lot of different people. And and video games definitely brought people together. It was interesting to you know how it did that. And you know, like I said, the arcade was a very social sort of club where. Um, We'd all, you know, a new game would come in, and there'd be a sort of a, a group of regulars that would sort of immediately go to that machine and start playing it, learn how to play it, and would talk about, you know, different strategies for beating the game and 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 figuring out how to how to how to clock it basically if it was clockable.
0: what uh what were some of the the kind of the the hits of the with arcade in the Um,
1: 80s oh yeah absolutely you You know these are all games that I was I was particularly good at but um Defender was was you know one that I played to absolute death I loved that game probably you know one of my all-time favorite games Asteroids these are all sort of early 80s very late 70s uh video games from the golden age missile command crystal castles crossfire um battle zone and pole position i remember pole position was left me breathless the first time i played it that was a, 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 an amazing technical achievement for the time and i loved driving games and uh i remember sitting in that and playing it and and getting a real proper surge of adrenaline while playing it it was quite like incredible.
0: absolutely incredible yeah. music as well pole position like the original really was was that did that have like kind of sit down cabinets therefore was that was that the um first
1: to do that? that had a sit, sit sit in cabinet i remember sitting in in it and, and playing it and just being blown away by the graphics um and and it, you know the previous driving games are all sort of things like mostly overhead viewed driving games like Sega GP and yeah, yeah so suddenly that that sort of going from 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 2d overhead view to proper 3d game was 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 quite remarkable and uh the, 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 I put a lot of time into sort pole position I think I had I think I might have had a record on it for a for a while um you know it was difficult to tell back in the early days uh, you know sort of world records we'd get occasional things printed in magazines and um you know when I actually joined magazines later on i i I researched the old record scores and compared them to mine and um but it was it was a very <laughs> imprecise science because um you know, there absolutely. was no internet
0: as the recent billy mitchell for has uh, yeah absolutely. Has illustrated. Oh, yeah like decades of fakery um i'm i'm like as you kind of um i i guess i guess i'm just i'm wondering like at what stage did you think that you could be involved in games you know like was that a thing that you thought was possible like clearly you were invested in it and you played a lot growing up like do you remember a specific point where you thought oh maybe i could do this because it like it seems like such a As I said, like, magazines to me was like, oh, suddenly there are other people that like the things I do. But I don't think I really thought that could be something I could do um, until much later. And I never really acted on it. But, like, do you remember a point where you were like, I want to do
1: something? Yeah, I I was very into drawing and art and design. And, and in fact, I I was going to go to to an art college. And I got in there a little bit early because i was i was pretty good and um and i remember going for an interview and um submitting my portfolio and i said yeah you know come come to college next year and um unfortunately um, because i was so young i couldn't get a government grant to go to the college which is a real shame so i actually had to stay in school for another year rather than go off to college early and during that time, I was doing a lot of design work and really kind of liked the idea of maybe doing the graphics for video games or maybe the you know the the illustrations on the side of the machine was something that I thought that maybe I could do oh God, you know yeah. it was, so I had that sort of desire to get involved in video games quite early but then when I won the nineteen eighty three arcade championships and you know and I realized that you know i was a pretty good player i kind of thought i i was also fairly good at writing i, I used to get good marks for my essays in english and, and and i thought well maybe i could write about video games you know other people do it in magazines so maybe i could so that's when i started to write hints and tips for games and i sent them into computer video games basically saying look you know i'm your arcade champion how about if you publish some hints and tips from me about how to play early you know the early arcade games because nobody was really doing that at the time
0: <laughs> and was that how you opened your, your letter like hello uh, as the arcade champion i just thought yeah basically that, was that, that um. was
1: that cheeky but that's <laughs> what i did was you know i've I won your arcade championship yeah yeah let me let me teach people how to play games and um, they actually published <laughs> uh, that's, that's when I started writing they, they, they published some of my early work of how to play Galago and uh, uh, I did some hints and tips on pole position um, you know sort of uh, how, you know a, a guide how to drive around the track safely and that sort of thing um, and
0: I, I I need to hear more about the, the sorry to interrupt I need to hear more about the arcade championships like what what was that how was that set up how did you get involved in it and and win it like was, how old uh, were you?
1: 18 it was in fact it was pretty much 35 years ago from from this this from this point it, i'd seen a copy of um computer and video games magazine on the on the on the shelves in the news agents and on the front it had the cover line could you be our arcade champion and i'd, I'd seen that and and at that point, I was getting pretty good scores on, you know, games like Defender and Asteroids and things like that. And so I sort of saw saw the headline on on the magazine, opened it up, and saw that they were, you know, there was a championship where you sub you 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 you'd submit the your best scores on three different video games. So I bought the magazine, sent off my scores on Defender. I, I don't know what else I i submitted scores on i can't remember but i qualified on defender and did you just like take a picture of the cabinet or did you just like, just, just write it in, it in? get the arcade owner to sign the form saying that that, that you know, ah, okay okay this guy definitely got this score so i got the arcade owner to sign my to sign my score sheets and send them in qualified on defender and um in it was in july of 1983 we you know, got an expenses paid trip down to London to compete at the, the finals at a, a, a club called Club Xenon, um, which was a sort of a real <laughs> classic 80s kind of club. Um, and it, there were eight different machines um, people qualified for, uh, including Robotron, I think, I can't remember what other machines they had there they had eight different machines and three people who'd scored the highest score per machine so there were i guess there were 21 people there that were competing and what we did was uh each each player had 10 minutes to score the highest score on on a machine um and then the, the highest score of the three people per machine would went on to the final to play a mystery game which was gyrus and we had another 10 minutes to score the highest possible score on gyrus um and i, I was the guy that had the highest score I, I went on last of all and managed to score about seventy thousand points on my first go and uh and won the tournament
0: oh man that must have been amazing like i don't know like stuff like that like i mean that that's that just sounds like something straight out of a movie like that's the recreation of of the wizard you know um especially imagining in like club xenon and stuff in the 80s which is just such a beautiful image um but like did that feel like something you know like you know nowadays you have like huge esports events and stuff with multi-million paying prizes like obviously it's a much much smaller thing like did it feel like anything beyond a novelty? Oh, at I was
1: absolutely—I couldn't believe it. You know, I was—I I got interviewed on Radio One, and there was um, Davey Travis gave out the prizes. So it—it it did have some sort of prestige to it, even though it was a relatively small event. But there was nothing else like it at the time. So you know, it, I, I, I really felt—I mean, I'm—I'm. I'm, I'm a I'm a great player here I've I've, you know I've competed against other really they were very very good players and I'd I'd managed to to to, to come through and coming from Wales and growing up on a small farm um in in mid-Wales about 20 miles outside Aberystwyth in a kind of a quite a remote region um you know sort of getting getting the, the trip down to London and and staying in a hotel I remember staying in a hotel and eating there and not believing that I was staying in this, this quite swanky hotel. And, you know, it was just, <laughs> just an amazing experience. Oh, man, you're just fully reinforcing how much <laughs> of a movie that is. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> but, like, I mean, I suppose like at, at the time, like, they, they, they wouldn't... I don't think it probably was for another, like, 10 or 15 years before you could theoretically become, like, a professional gamer before, like, you know, Quake and people like Fatality and stuff. But so you you managed to kind of segue away uh into into magazines so was that like was that just as you said you were quite cocky because you're like well I've just I'm the arcade champion so I'm gonna do this I can do this like was that a, a very kind of um deliberate move I mean I suppose as deliberate as you can be when you're like 19 or something to like I'm gonna do this this is gonna be my yeah career.
1: I'd 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 I basically after after winning the like I said I, I would write I wrote for CMBG for a while and then then I started writing into com, um Personal Computer Games magazine which was which was uh, run by Chris Anderson who uh, you know it was a great magazine I think I think it was even better than than CMBG um it had really good reviews in it and um so I wrote to to, to pcg magazine got invited to another tournament that they they were running a sort of a best gamer tournament went down and played in that actually didn't win that tournament um i ended up getting a bit drunk at lunchtime so that blunted my performance not a good idea learned, <laughs> learned learned a good lesson there but um the classic <laughs> arc
0: <laughs> they're reaching yes absolutely
1: high. been in the, you know had a few pints at lunchtime um but i obviously made some kind of an impression because a few weeks later chris anderson rang me up and said was i interested in talking to him about a position on a magazine that he was going to be joining um and I, of course i said yes i mean I, at that, that, that point i was you know, unemployed, living in Mid Wales, no prospects in Mid Wales. wasn't quite sure what to do with, with my life. I was uh, eighteen at the time, um, and I got this opportunity from from Chris. Went down to, again to London, had had the interview, and and he basically offered me a job on Zap Sixty Four magazine based on the interview and the stuff that I would written in for the magazine. And he he was quite a visionary and he, what he was wanting to do was, was to have a magazine that had you know sort of really talented players reviewing the games that, that had credibility and you know I'd, I had that. I'd, I'd won a championship and obviously could write um, reasonably well um, and so he, 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 he invited me to join the magazine which I did in early 1985.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting. I've been um, speaking to a lot of like I spoke to a professional streamer on the show a couple weeks ago. Dane plays Hearthstone, and I spoke to this guy, Mark Johnson, who's uh, he's an academic. He writes. He's doing a PhD at the minute on like esports and professional streaming and stuff. And one of the things that hadn't hadn't ever occurred to me before of you know how how does a streamer find an audience because you have like tons of of people and available channels and stuff. I am going somewhere with this. I swear. Um, and one of the things that i hadn't thought of as i said was that a lot of the the more popular streamers they are generally just really good at the game like that's how you get an audience by just being brilliant at it so like it's even further ahead of its time and obviously you weren't streaming but the the sense that if somebody is excellent at a specific thing then they're going to be able to think about it and write about it in a way that nobody else would you know that's why certain streamers are so popular and that's clearly what they were aiming for with, uh, with the magazine yeah I
1: haven't, I haven't really thought of it that way but um but it was it it was quite disruptive at the time because uh, you know most most video games magazines had you know trained professional journalists on them you know journalists turned gamers and and chris took the other route which was take gamers and turn them into journalists basically i mean my first few reviews i'm sure they weren't very good and i remember rewriting them multiple times and getting a lot of feedback from Chris and getting really resentful because I kept having to rewrite the reviews but you know it was, it, <laughs> it, it, what we were doing was very rough but there was obviously we were doing something right you know because the, the magazine became popular and and you know being gamers we spoke the language of the gamer so it was you know it didn't feel like sometimes in those those early video game magazines some kind of felt like they were talking down to the audience almost, and we didn't do that we We spoke to the audience and it was a you know subtly different uh way of, of of writing and 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 the magazine, like I said became very popular and and people really responded well to, to the way we wrote and having the pictures of us in the magazine and it helped put a face on. A, a largely faceless industry at the time when when you know there weren't that many yeah c- celebrity coders there were only a few notable names and you know us sort of putting our faces on the industry um you know just gave, gave us a little bit more notoriety i guess
0: oh I, like as as i said when i opened the interview like i i drew <laughs> pictures of you all when i was a kid like and and not just like pictures like in terms of like just copying the the cool caricatures and stuff, it was, I I would draw things like about the characters that you created, you know, in in, almost like in in a wrestling sense. So like, I always remember like Gary Harrod as being like a miserable (laughs) sweaty man in the corner, really sad and alone because that's how the magazine painted him. And I will never forget that image. And that was always, I think he was, maybe that's why they were never published because he was always the, the brunt of my, my little caricatures. Um, and it, and the whole kind of, the, the vernacular of it you know I've, this has come upon the show countless times with people about how it really did like feel like um a gang it felt like you were part of a, a bigger community that really brought you in um and and in a kind of in a friendly way and also in a really funny way like that was one of the my favorite things about it is they were really funny like stuff like like jobs mailbag and and the the seal of approval and stuff um they were brilliant
1: like they were so fun yeah we, we, we really um, wanted like to about, so to, to, when you say community, that was really important to us to to to, to make it feel like a little club, um, and and to sort of write in a way that that was entertaining and informative. That was something that I used to to yell at people about all the time: be entertaining and informative. You know, uh, we we want to learn stuff about video games. We want to teach the audience about what's good and what's bad. Not teach them, but tell them. You know. Um, yeah uh, and 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 have fun you know really echo how entertaining and 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 enjoyable video games really are and 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 try and capture capture the moment of what's going on in the office in in what we write and how we communicate because the office was you know crazy, a lot of people trash talking, a lot of back and forth, you know we worked very hard, but we also played like you know we play video games all the time and just have a lot of fun and i'm
0: assuming you're a in your 20s and stuff so you, you, you know you're being a bunch of 20 yes year olds.
1: it was very juvenile yeah. in many respects and uh i'm sure if i went back to that time now i'd be quite shocked at how juvenile we are and <laughs> we were then <laughs> but um but it was you know it, it 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 helped create an atmosphere from which the magazine was born you know it, it what you read in the magazine was what was going on in the office basically and it was it was it was pretty pretty crazy and anarchic and um but somehow we managed to put the magazine together every month and 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 have fun doing it even though even though like i said it was crazy long hours you know um some um, and did like
0: i'm just I, i'm just curious with the you know this sense of community and, and and this sense of personality like how how um premeditated was that or like do you think that just naturally came out of the as you say like out of the spirit of this is what you all are at this moment and that just naturally comes into the magazine like was it more of a a distinct choice or did i guess maybe you know you started to notice certain things becoming more popular and they're like oh we'll be more like that like more in jokes more insults
1: whatever. yeah a lot of it did invo- evolve um over time you know the but there was definitely a, you know a premeditated um sort of editorial strategy to be entertaining to write in an entertaining way to um to, to, to get across the sense of fun, you know. But we had a sort of... I used to write these editorial style guides that would explain how to, how to write for the magazine for, for everybody, and that would essentially explain the vision. And, and you know, that was... That in, in itself, I wish I had still had it. It was quite entertaining because it was written in the Mean Machine style. And it, 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 it basically, you know, t- 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 dictated down from high. It's like, you know, have have fun be entertaining um you know try and be creative in your writing um you know we don't want to read boring stuff in the magazine you know if there's a joke to be had try and make it you know but don't don't put down yeah. the games um in a negative way you know, have fun and 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 be positive, even 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 with really poor games. You know, sort of have have fun with the the trashing of the game and and, and sort of take delight in it. Yeah. Um.
0: I feel like that must be much harder now because there's so there's so few games that are bad. I mean, like you cannot enjoy them, but most games are pretty good in so you know in most of the kind of basic ways that a game is good. Like back. Back then, like there were some real awful, awful games, but that I imagine sometimes that would be kind of a delight. You're like, brilliant, I can really go to and write this now because this is awful in so oh, many ways. Absolutely, I
1: mean, earlier on in Zap 64 magazine, we used to really absolutely crucify games and be quite horrible about them and that was something that, that sort of we evolved a little bit you know when when I moved to to, to CNBG and me Machines was to not be so cruel about them but to to make fun of them in a funny kind of way and so you know the negative criticism was often some of the best writing that we wrote because it was it was it was funny you know we were sort of making fun of these games and there you're right there were some terrible games back then and um a lot harder to do that these days i mean uh, on 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 two levels one games like you said are, are much better than they used to be um there are no you know truly awful games around these days unless you dig deep into the sort of the indie space and you know the i think the other thing was just These days, no matter what you say, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to disagree with you, and it's going to cause some kind of problem. If you, if you, if if you're particularly, if you really go off on a game, people are going to go crazy at you. You know, the fans of the game are going to, you know, come in, and it's it's just not very. uh, It's just a different kind of environment, and and you know where very strong opinions are met with very strong opinions and it can just can be a bit of a pain in the ass sometimes because it it, it it makes it more difficult to to be funny about a game because people you know get funny back at you yeah
0: <laughs> i mean i suppose like I'm, I'm sure those people still existed um back when you do doing magazines but you know it required so much more effort you know to write a letter. <laughs> Than it would to like send a tweet or yeah, something. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know? We used to get all sorts of complaints and people would disagree with us. And, you know, we even got death threats back in the day, um, you know, from, from, from people, which, which is, you know, just shows it's always been around. Um, what would you get a death threat for? Do you remember? Because
0: um, that's his Yeah, seems quite
1: I remember getting one at Zap64 that just was like a ransom letter that just said, we're going to kill you. Um, and
0: was it from the developer was it like t- two guys in their bedroom like oh my god yeah ruined. yeah who
1: knows where it came from i mean uh, we didn't take it seriously <laughs> but um yeah it was quite alarming to get that and then other people would say you know you you, you know we hate you think you, you, you're stupid and um you can't believe that you like that game and i bought it and i think it's absolute crap you know i wish you would die that sort of thing um, you know like I said it's always been out there but now these days you know it's it's very easy to get angry reading something and then fire off fire off a comment and um, you know and, and start off a flame war um,
0: we've talked a lot about bad games but like during this period like was there are there games that really stand out to you as being particularly Memorable for, for whatever reason, like for something to do with a magazine or just personally, like, oh my God, I can't believe games can do this now. And, you know, I'm sure there were loads because that's like, you know, games moved so fast. So, so like, especially earlier on, you know, the the levels of, of how brilliant they were got, they they went through iterations much faster, I suppose. Like, does, that, does anything particularly stand out? Um,
1: hmm. An interesting question because, you know, the, the games, like you said, games develop very, very quickly. So, you know, when I look at the early games when we first started on Zap 64, you know, we had things like Elite, which was on the Commodore 64, which was getting on a bit in years at that point, but was still quite an amazing achievement for for what it was. Um I remember the, the in particular the, the the Lucasfilm games, you know, Lucasfilm became LucasArts. The Lucasfilm games stood out. Um you know, they they're a little bit ropey looking back at them these days, but at the time they were really trying to do something different. You know, there was um Rescue on Fractalus, which which, you know, you, you sort of took a spaceship down to a planet and tried to rescue people. It was just quite ambitious and it looks looked incredible at the time. Um The Eidolon was was another game that, you know, was was um just a little bit different and and was trying to do something new. It had a sort of a, felt like it had a story to it. Uh, even odd games like Alter Ego, which was just a multiple choice game, but it was just something that, that I remember playing and being absolutely blown away by, you know, the chance to sort of live a life um, as a, a full life in, in, a, in a sort of adventure game type scenario. Uh, it was just a really... It's just something... I...
0: Those are all really good shades. Like, I don't know any of those games, and now I want to know more yeah, about they're, they're
1: them. Yeah, they're all really really early games. I mean, you know, sort of... They're, they're games that stick out to me because, you know, games like The Sentinel, uh, because they just felt like an, sort of an evolutionary step forward for games. It's not just better graphics and sound, but yeah. actually, conceptually, they were trying to do something new and different it wasn't just like a lot of the games at the time which were kind of copies of coin ops or sort of simple games designed around the coin drop philosophy of you know a few lives shooting these games that sort of thing yeah yeah. um you know they they were trying to push the art of games a little bit further and even sort of you know early point and click adventures were doing that and some of the role-playing games at the time and then you know, by the time the 90s rolled around, you know, there were incredible developments on consoles. I think, you know, just games Games would get better. Super Mario World obviously stands out, and Pilot Wings and F Zero, and these were kind of games that were sort of pushing the technology. Um, but I think uh, taking a sort of step back and looking at some of those earlier commodore 64 games they were just forging into new territory and i think they represent a lot of the games that i talked about represented something really new and cutting edge um the that was sort of pushing games into a new a, a whole new area and you could kind of begin to see the potential of video games you know like a, like a game yeah. like like, like I said rescue and Fractalus, you know you could see conceptually it was quite complex and that even though the graphics weren't that great you know if the graphics were better you know this 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 game would 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 be would just be incredible and that's that's basically what's happened is you know sort of those early ideas have been built out on and you know uh, and have evolved did
0: did you feel that at the time though because like um it would have been so niche at the time like did you did you feel at any point like or did you increasingly feel maybe kind of evangelical about like you know games are an important medium did you imagine like could you conceive of where they would be now like or or were you just like whatever this is a laugh like it's better than a real job so to speak even though i'm sure you're doing like crazy hours like i don't i don't remember that tone from the magazines at the time i remember like a really kind of enthusiastic um love of video games but not necessarily like um the kind of the evangelical stance of like people just don't understand like these things can be amazing and they will be in the future. So yeah,
1: we didn't really talk that much about it. And and Zap, we did have a a period where we we went and 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 somehow managed to blag our way onto a a full seven four seven flight simulator, and we did a feature on on that sort of about the future of where games could go based on on cutting edge technology. So so we sort of. We, we, like I said, went and played on a flight simulator, which is amazing because you could, you know, sort of see at some point, you know, video games would become powerful enough to be able to run a game that might look like this. And we also looked at sort of, yeah. uh, we went to a couple of computer graphic uh, advertising agencies that were doing early computer graphics at the time and and seeing what they were doing with their computers. So we did a few features on on... Sort of where games might go based on on cutting edge technology but 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 on me machines yeah. it was much it was really all about what was going on at the time, obviously you know we would try and talk about the new consoles that are coming out and stuff like that, but it was very much in the moment i think and 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 yeah. celebrating just you know what was happening that that particular month and and being very excited about the latest developments because games were moving very quickly at that point and every every couple of months there was something new that would come out that would be amazing and 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 we could get excited about it so we didn't talk as much about the future in Mean Machine just because because what was happening at the time was so exciting. Absolutely um and like
0: and did but but like personally i suppose like did you feel like did you feel that this was just like a niche thing i maybe you weren't thinking anything at the time but like maybe in retrospect like were you kind of um like defending your because i i feel like a lot of people are like oh you just play games with sort of and you play games and write about games like did, did you feel that you'd have to defend it or that, that this was like a really important worthwhile thing Maybe that's too much. Maybe maybe you didn't think about it at all. No,
1: don't, actually, maybe, you, you know, I did think it was very important. And I, I went on a, quite a few shows at, in the sort of the very late 80s and early 90s to defend the video game industry. It was at a time when, you know, some of the daytime chat shows would do things like, oh, little Johnny's addicted to video games and they're evil. And, and, and they would have these concerned <laughs> mums on and I would go on essentially representing the games industry I only did it a couple of times because I realized that you know I was on a hiding to nothing going on these shows because essentially you know I would try and be uh, talking logically to these these mums who were you know emotionally really worried about their sons being addicted to video games and obviously they they you know they, they didn't necessarily have control over what their sons were doing and and the, the, these sons were just playing video games all the time. And they were really worried about that, and me sort of sitting there, sort of saying, "Oh, video games are all right," and uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> you, you know, you should, you should basically tell your sons to, to to stop playing them and 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 play them only in moderation. Didn't wash particularly well, um, you know, because you know, you essentially sort of you're one person arguing against sort of four different people who are very sort of emotionally invested in their sons and very worried about it. And, you know, it just, it just made it very difficult to, to, to basically say, you know, you've got no control over your son. You need a bit more discipline for him. If he's, if he's sitting there playing games all day, then that is a bad thing, but it's not bad for his health necessarily. It's, it's, it's not it's, the game's It's, fault. it's, it's, it's <laughs> You know, it, it it perhaps there's another problem that he's trying to escape from, you know, or whatever. Um, you
0: know, <laughs> I am not sure yeah. they would have been that into that that nuance no, level Not, of debate, not, not really. good.
1: So so I
0: especially to like a 20 year old with spiky hair. They're like, no, yeah. not listening to this kid. So
1: I did a couple of those, and <laughs> and yeah, I learned quickly that they weren't particularly good. But I did a couple of sort of more. Uh, nuanced chat shows. I, I remember doing a debate on Radio One about um, video game and gambling addiction, and that was kind of interesting. Got the chance to sort of speak a little bit more um, calmly to 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 sort of people that were sort of experts on 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 video games and gambling, um, and you know, just talking about you know, video games aren't gambling. They're not fruit machines. It's a different thing you know yes people really like playing video games and can play them too much and that's where parental control comes in and you know they should moderate their gaming a little bit and so not playing them all the time always blaming yeah, parents absolutely
0: yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough um i'm gonna i'm gonna take a brief uh, aside to answer uh, to ask rather uh some relatively quick fire questions um so uh julian if you had to play a game with death for your own mortal soul what game are you best at?
1: oh boy that's an interesting question um what game would i play death at i guess it would have to be a one-on-one game for it to, 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 to uh, I'd, 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 i'm pretty handy at hearthstone actually i i I might play him at Hearthstone, or I I'd I, I play him but Gran Turismo Sport maybe, in, in in on on online in a in a race with the same car on a, on on the same track. <laughs> um, I fancy my chances of that too. But yeah, either Hearthstone or Gran Turismo Sport. I think uh, right now, you know, I'd, back in the day it would have been you know something like Defender or or. Um, or or asteroids but 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 my skills are have long since withered and died on those games i'm not very good at them these days but so so the stuff that i'm playing at the moment like i said games like hearthstone and 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 gt sport
0: i love the idea of, of hearthstone like i'm just imagining you know the Ingmar Bergman, you know, death and, and the, the night <laughs> on the beach. And just just to hear the sound effects of the Hearthstone cards, have, like, a, a Leroy Jenkins playing out and death, like, slamming his fist <laughs> on the keyboard. Um, <laughs> has there uh, ever been, talking of, of games addiction and stuff and gambling, like, has there ever been a game that's kind of consumed your life to the point where you're like, I need to turn this off. This is this is interrupting my day-to-day schedule. Yeah,
1: that would be World of Warcraft. Um I I was so, so into that game Um, when it launched and for many years, actually, I was into the game. In fact, it was the only game I played for, you know, there's a sort of a a big gap in my sort of video game playing um, experiences between sort of about 2003 and probably about 2009 2010 where i was playing world of warcraft almost all the time all my all my gaming time was taken up by that game absolutely loved it i was part of a 40 man raiding guild and um would 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 raid every several times a week and just went through all the best content and of the game and and had an absolute blast playing it I absolutely love it. I still play World of Warcraft now I don't play it all the time I kind of you know dip into it when new content comes out and then and then stop playing when I've when I've um experienced that new content but back then you know there was that uh, I I wanted to do everything there was to do in the game so I played it endlessly
0: I I've, I've always kind of avoided wave because I know how much I will like it um, and it's really interesting like this is this is a thing that like I do this internally like sometimes I'm playing a game and I kind of I retrospectively imagine what my 10-year-old self like reading me machines or cvg would think if I told them about this game that I was playing um and how they would just completely lose their mind like do you get that like when you think back like something like world of warcraft like oh yeah i'm part of a 40 a man raid team and stuff that i play with people all over the world like and you think back to playing you know um Defender, you know, in the arcade abriss. This is what games are. Yeah, that's funny
1: you should say that. I, I, I do think about what my younger self would have thought about World of Warcraft and and you know uh, 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 other modern games, but World of Warcraft in particular, you know, I would have been absolutely blown away. It would have been the game that I wanted to play when I was a kid. You know, it's sort of um, a sophisticated. A huge environment to be in, in fun combat and playing with other players and you know and and taking down huge monsters i mean who wouldn't who wouldn't want to play that as a kid
0: absolutely like there is a very specific thing i don't know if you even remember this there was a and I I imagine it was probably in like Nintendo magazine system or something and it was a very early um, look at the the dolphin which later became like the the N64 and it was a shot of a a, a Mario game that Nintendo were apparently working on and it's it was the 3D Mario that you know everyone knew from or everyone came to know from Super Mario 64 but in like what looked like a kind of a city but I mean it wasn't a city it was just like a bunch of Sort of flat, squared houses, but it was a three D world basically, and the debate that caused like amongst my friends, like that, no way was that real. And for some reason, that screenshot really sticks in my head because it was such a mundane screenshot compared to like I just recently finished God of War. It's like, well, it's just unbelievable the kind of steps games have taken.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to remember that actually. I think that was probably just after I left and when I was uh, in America, so I, I didn't see that screenshot, but. You know that that would have would have definitely been interesting at the time to see that Had something that I would have liked to have looked at for sure uh, you know just was very intrigued by the idea of of playing against other players even even really early on and playing online yeah. you know when i was at zap sixty four we used to use the early CompuNet, and 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 we couldn't play online with people, but but just being online with people was really fascinating to me, and and uh, I was just you know couldn't wait for games to become more sophisticated so I could start playing with other other players, and so as soon as <laughs> the, you know the early MMORPGs came out, I, I was I gravitated towards those. I played a game called Asheron's Call. Um, that came out around the same time as EverQuest, and I played EverQuest as well. And both of those games, again, like World of Warcraft, consumed my life. I, you know, I'd, I'd stay up all night playing them. But World of When World of Warcraft came along, it just took it to a whole new level, because there was just so much more in the game.
0: um I I, I feel like I'm derailing the quickfire question, so I'll get back to it. Um, I mean, I feel like we've maybe already established this, but are you a particularly competitive gamer? And, like, have you ever been locked in a, in a very specific kind of high-score battle or, or rivalry over time? Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, and particularly in the early days in arcades, you know, we were very, very competitive. And I think, you know, I I was lucky that, that sort of the... That a lot of the people that went to the Aberystwyth arcade were very good at, at games, and it helped we all sort of pushed one another would watch each other play, pick up hints and tips from one another. And it helped us all get really good at at games, you know, much to the chagrin of the arcade owner, you know, know, because I'd be playing, (laughs) literally playing a whole day on one 10 pence piece. You know, I could play defender for 18 hours straight and, and on, on, on a single 10 P and just keep on going and going, you know, pretty much forever. And, um, <laughs> so yeah very very competitive and i'm still very competitive now i love playing hearthstone and and and, and as i said earlier Gran Turismo a sport you know world of warcraft that that's competitive in a in a cooperative kind of way you know guilds trying to take down yeah. monsters before other guilds so yeah it it is it,
0: is that where is that where jazz comes from? Is that like is that from high school? Yeah, absolutely. Tables?
1: Funny you should say that. Yeah, that, that that when I first started playing there was somebody else in the arcade that was using JR as his initials. So I just started JAZ just because it was you could put it in quite quickly and particularly defender. Yeah. And so people just started calling me calling me Jazz because because they didn't know my real name they just knew me from the high score table so and it stuck people started calling me jazz and i kind of liked it better than julian so so amazing so that that's that that was where that game that that name came from
0: cool um if you are if you're prone to such things um what was your worst rage quit
1: oh my worst rage quit i don't I've, I mean, I've, I get very angry at games, particularly when I was younger. I would get really mad at games and throw the joystick across the room and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I guess the worst one was when I was playing, it was an old Imagine, was it Imagine game? Arcadia on the on the ZX Spectrum. And and I was playing it and playing it, and I kept dying and dying and dying. And I got I got so angry... I I bashed the the top of the spectrum with my fist really hard, and it and it broke the spectrum. It, the spectrum went off. <laughs> there was a little dent in the top of the machine, and 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 it and it wouldn't come back on. And so I actually I, I packaged it up and sent it off to Sinclair saying, my computer's broken. Can you please send me a new one? And they did amazingly. A few weeks later, I got a, a new one in the mail. I mean, obviously they they didn't look at the machine that i sent in too hard because it had a big dent in it and I, I, god knows what i'd done to the circuit ball because i did hit it very very hard but there they just sent me out a new one and 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 that did teach me a lesson to to, to not be so aggressive when i would, <laughs> would get killed
0: i mean I don't, I don't think it was the most robust computer at the time anyways so i'm sure they were like ah, oh, you're fine yeah, send another one yeah or whatever. have uh, yeah, Cut was- a stack of them here um is there uh is there a game that you go to for for comfort like a, a chicken soup game or has there been a game in the past that you've gone to for comfort
1: yeah i guess there are a few games hearthstone is one I, I i play that all the time you know that's my sort of go-to game for when i just want to sit on the sofa maybe watch tv and do something as at the same time i, I play hearthstone a lot it's it such is, a brilliant it's, game. It's, I was a huge 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 Magic the Gathering fan. I've got a, a vast collection of cards and and I that that was another game that consumed my life for a few years, very in in the sort of in the 90s I played it with friends competitively and we used to play it all the time and have magic nights. And so Hearthstone sort of it, it scratches that particular Magic the Gathering itch. I don't play Magic the Gathering anymore. It's it's not practical for me, but um but yeah, I like that. And and funnily enough, World of Tanks is another game that I find really relaxing to play. Cause it's it's an action shooter, but it's slow, steady, strategic. Um, you know, if you run into battle, you're gonna get blown up really quickly. So it's 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 quite a measured game, and that's really good for me because I tend to I tend to be one of those guys that goes screaming into battle at the first opportunity, guns blazing. And, 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 <laughs> you know, that's not what you do with this game. So it's sort of, it calms me down. I have to, I have to approach it in a certain way. And it kind of, it, like I said, it makes, makes me feel relaxed. It's, it's a, it's, it's a really fascinating game. And, uh, and I go back to that game, Every few months, I'll, I'll be like, oh, right, yeah, I'll go and have a few games of World of Tanks and, and have fun in that and, you know, level up my tanks and, and buy some new technology for them. So, yeah, fun game. <laughs>
0: um, Given the kind of the, the, the broad uh, amount of emotions that games can evoke, I often find one of the, the rarest is laughter. So I try and ask everybody, uh, Julian, what games have really made you laugh?
1: Hmm... Yeah, See? that's, that's See? an interesting one. Games don't. Games themselves don't make me laugh. I don't. I can't think of many games that I've sat down and rolled about in hysterics to. I mean, certainly, playing with friends and trash talking and playing competitively, you know, that that, that elicits a sort of a lot of laughter and fun and and, and a good positive emotional response. Um, but it's but it's the the players that 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 brings that out of the games and the, the games facilitate it but it's it's all about the interactions between the players, um and the, 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 where the fun comes from, so yeah I can't think of there must be a game that I have played that's made me laugh but I can't think of one offhand.
0: I mean there's like a kind of stock a uh, number of answers that, that a lot of people mentioned, like all the the LucasArts, like Tim Schafer games um, and Portal, and, you know, Katamari uh, was of mm. one of my recent favourites because that is very funny in a kind of slapstick sense. But, yeah, not not kind of roll on the floor laughing. Not the same kind of, like, laughter that would mean I would, like, lose a game of multiplayer because I'm laughing so hard because of something someone else has done in the real Yeah, room. I mean,
1: you know, games certainly... Make, can make you laugh with delight sometimes when you complete a, complete a particularly difficult level and that sort of thing. You know, I remember laughing uh, when we uh, killed the Lich King in, in one of the World of Warcraft expansions. That was a particular achievement. And, but um, but humour is very difficult to, to really get in video games. So little pieces of dialogue can certainly make you laugh. And of course, I can't think of anything immediately this springs to mind. But <laughs> um, but you know, little moments, you know, sort of in cutscenes. But but actual in video games themselves, I think humor is a very difficult thing to to properly capture. The sort of the real sort of slapstick, sort of played for laughs kind of thing, a particularly difficult
0: so so what um uh i'm gonna just kind of go go past sort of Me machines and stuff and, and you moved to america so how did that come about and kind of if you can talk briefly about kind of what you did and how it all kind of as you mentioned kind of uh fell apart a little bit
1: um i was sent on assignment to southern california to um to 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 actually look at Virgin Interactive Entertainment's games uh, to, and do a report on them, to do a feature for Mean Machines, and so I went out to um, to America, and and while I was looking at the the you know Virgin's games i was giving feedback on them you know this is quite good Uh, this would be better if it had this and you know i I would always try and give feedback on games that were in development so you know as a way of of, you know helping out and you know uh, almost sort of um that's kind of your job as well like you know it's just yeah you know rather than rather than save the criticism for for the review i would say it right on the spot you know if this game comes (laughs) out like this i'd I think this might be a problem. And while I was doing that one of the guys there said, you know, would you like to do this for us full time? And I thought about it for a minute and 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 said, yeah, this that that would be a very interesting opportunity. I always wanted to move to America and live out in the states and and they said that they would, you know, sort of get me a green card so I could work. So that was it. It was it was kind of a bit of a surprise and when I came back from America I began to look into you know the, the possibility of moving out, and Virgin basically said, "Yeah, we would we, we we'd be happy to move you out there." So, so that that was it. You know, just 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 based on that particular trip. And three months later, I would moved to Southern California and was living in Irvine, just south of Los Angeles.
0: That must have been amazing. That it was very so exciting.
1: exciting. You know, it, 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 it feels like a long time ago now, but it was. Um, It was just something completely new, you know. Like I said, I've always wanted to live in America. I'd visited on vacation numerous times, been to Disneyland and stuff like that. And uh, so getting the chance to move out there was really exciting. And and also, it came at a time when I was just beginning to get a little bit burnt out on magazines. Um, And I wanted to launch something new and unfortunately it hadn't been able to and so I was sort of a a bit of a loose end you know there was sort of uh, I could continue working on me machines or 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 get this you know this new opportunity in America to to work on video games that were in development you know it didn't turn out to be a particularly good move for me but it was um (laughs) but you know it was it was definitely an amazing opportunity
0: was there part of you as well that kind of um could kind of see the writing on the wall on the wall a bit for video games uh, magazines because of like the the rise of the internet. I mean, I suppose that would have been much earlier than that. I mean, I'm sure the internet was around, but like still brewing, like very early. Adopted. Yeah, it was
1: very very early, and I mean, I got onto the internet. Well, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we used to play on CompiNet in the mid '80s. So I was very familiar with being online, and and went on various bulletin boards, and 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 you know sort of went online via my modem and would connect to different servers and things like that through the late 80s and early 90s. And then when the internet sort of started, I, I immediately jumped on that and saw that as something very exciting. And that's that's why I ended up at IGN in 1997, which was still quite early for. The internet at that point, because I could see that it was yeah. this really exciting thing um, that was that was going to change change the way that people read about well, not only video games but everything. So um, so that that's that I moved from Virgin to IGN to to basically start online, and I was very excited about that. It was a really another really interesting opportunity
0: and and but, but like what what happened with virgin i don't know the specifics of like if you're able to talk about it like why was
1: it a bad um, basically with virgin they, they 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 got this huge injection of money through 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 uh, several big uh, hollywood media companies investing um, in in into the company and what they did was they built a studio hired a whole bunch of people including me um but very very talented people and sort of put them in, all together in a studio and basically said go and make video games and there was it was <laughs> it was just a big huge political mess it wasn't it you know it wasn't really um you
0: there was no like guiding was, principles or anything it was just like yeah just that, games. Was, that
1: was basically the 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 problem there wasn't anybody sort of put in charge that could really knock heads together and say this is what we're doing um there was no real vision it it, it, it was a lot of very talented people all sort of thinking that they were doing the right thing and 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 nobody to sort of sit there and say no no you need to listen to this guy and or that guy or whoever and and so the the company just sort of bumbled along and there were a lot of very amazing conceptually amazing games in development but because no one was really minding the the, the spend and and really looking at sort of some of these concepts and saying look you know You're building this, an amazing adventure game, 3D adventure game, but it's got 150 rooms and you're rendering the rooms in 3D and it's taking you two weeks to render one room. And you've got, you know, it's going to take <laughs> you three and a half years just to, to 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 finish the graphics of this game, and so it was all things like that. A lot of the games were beset with with these kinds of problems, and so you know, it just these games didn't come out, and and as a consequence, it, you know, they had this huge studio that was burning through an enormous amount of money. Um, and and not producing games, and you know, it just reached a point where you know it was not sustainable anymore, and and so the, the the company was sold off to Electronic Arts.
0: That's crazy. Like, and I'm sure, like, I I don't know, was there anyone that you remember working there at the time that has, that has since sort of gone on to do. Amazing things, or maybe like a concept that was built at that time that someone else has then gone on and taken. Not somewhere
1: else. not out of Virgin. I mean, they had some some interesting games. There was a there was an on one of the very early online games called Subspace. That was an an online multiplayer game that was really really cool. Um, some games came out that eventually um, a game called Toonstruck, which was this, which was going to be this amazing animated adventure. Kind of came down, came out in a sort of very cut down form, but but a lot of the technology just just sort of crashed and burned. Uh, you know, so they, they had they had an amazing sound studio, amazing animators, all this. You know, sort of um, SGI technology. Was, they had you know all this. It was like I said, cutting edge stuff. And but but if you don't produce games and can't sustain it, then it's not going to last
0: oh man brutal um i'm i'm gonna this is gonna be an insanely broad question that's likely impossible to answer um but like over the past say like decade or 15 years or whatever like are there games that stand out to you as being uh, particularly impactful for, for for whatever reason like games that you've had to review or games that you just stumbled upon in your, your day-to-day life that have really kind of had a profound impact on your life in some
1: way or another. Um hmm. well going back to World of Warcraft, that had a huge impact on me. Just just you know, as as a game that, that was huge in scope, so that you could play it on your own and and, and, and have fun. But but in the way that it connected players together. It was a really. It, it it had a sort of qualities to it that made it so incredibly addictive that I just thought about the game morning, noon, and night. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah, wait to, to to go online and start start. You know, uh, working our way through a, a particular raid in the in the evening, and it it just had this this remarkable impact and Asheron's call had the same effect on me another multiplayer online game that I t- talked about a little earlier um same thing you know like i said like i said i i I'd, 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 I'd play it all night i would just be online playing with, with other people talking to them and having fun i think that social aspect was 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 w- really changed things enormously for, for me. And you know, suddenly it became this this world that you could kind of live in and, and you could see video games changing as a consequence. It's like, this is going to be a, a, a whole new way of playing. Um, so I think that, that, that had an effect on me. Um, I was impressed with virtual reality... Back in the early '90s, I thought that would, might change things a, a lot, but but it, it hasn't really. It has, the, the technology just isn't quite there yet. It's too expensive, and it's it's a bit complicated. Um, but that, that that I found that very exciting at the time. Um, playing playing the BattleTech Center in Chicago in God, it must have been 1990 maybe 1991 or something like that that was uh it was almost like a land center where there were a whole bunch of pods connected together and you would you'd sit in one of these pods and control a battle tech machine and and basically pvp with other players that was another uh an amazing sort of i remember playing that and just thinking right this is this is the way that that, that games are going to be played in the future you know you're going to be all connected together in 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 a single environment and and you're going to be playing against other players and that was very early on for 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 sort of a, a multi for a multiplayer game but, but
0: yeah i mean that sounds like an early time yes
1: it, yeah basically that was what it was and and sort of you'd play deathmatch with that and um you'd you'd sort of rent a pod by the hour and i remember playing for a couple of hours and just just thinking it was one of the coolest things i'd ever seen
0: do you do you miss the the arcade culture or do you think that kind of the the online space has kind of filled in the gap you know
1: There's something special about arcades that just, you know, can't be replicated The the sort of the excitement about walking into an arcade and seeing a new game and, you know, bumping into friends and, and, and sort of sitting, standing around chatting, watching other people play, it captures a lot of things that, that are true of games today, but all in one encapsulated experience. Um, you know, the, the sort of location based, and so I, I definitely I don't necessarily miss it because I'm not sure whether I would go to arcades these days, but but certainly I'm I, yeah. I miss miss that camaraderie and just you know that sort of the way that, that that games worked back then. You know, arcades were just a really fun place to go, like a club, and you know while you can play online and hook up with players online and talk to them and things it's it's not quite the same as 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 being there in person and 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 you know being side by side uh, playing someone on on a game like street fighter 2 for example yeah. you know that 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 that's a that's a really cool experience so i think you know now is is echoed in esports essentially that's what the sort of you know that's that's where that particular rivalry has gone and, it, and 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 it's obviously a really important aspect of gaming because so many people watch it
0: absolutely i mean I, I think that is a weird kind of way of like uh it, it recreates that arcade feeling it's like not the sense of of playing with other people, but of being able to watch other people that are really good, you know, like the—that's why I watch. Like I regularly watch people play Hearthstone because uh, I like seeing other people play a game and like get tips, and you know, it's it's a very enjoyable game to watch as well. Because Blizzard are just good at that sort of stuff. Um, but it, it's weird, hey, that like, like you don't get that necessarily with like I play a lot of Overwatch. I'm not a total Blizzard fanboy, I swear, but I mean, I am a little bit. I play a lot of Overwatch with friends in a very kind of casual sense, but it doesn't. Um, you don't have that same sense of being in a space where you could just bump into anyone. You know, um, it's it's, it's better, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of all the different aspects of the arcade are still there, but kind of separated and spread out right. in different places. Yeah.
1: Yes, arcades were very. Um it represents a particular time in gaming that i think was very exciting you know but but very different you know to, to to play the best games at the time you had to leave the house and go somewhere to a location so it it made it made the thing feel like a bit of an event you know and um it, that, that's things are different now
0: but you were also quite lucky in that you grew up in aberystwyth where there were arcades where like i i grew up in newport and i would like play arcades in like dodgy pool halls <laughs> and taxi ranks and stuff which wasn't quite as nice but it's still it was still magical it's still a magical pause. and um, like speaking of excitement like are you still like now do you, do you still feel as uh excited and enamored by games as you ever have or is your interest kind of no i'm still
1: bit? really excited about games i love playing video games i play games every night still i, I, I play destiny 2 a lot which i'm sure will disappoint some listeners that, that, are, that are sold out to, to big triple a games but
0: but <laughs> do you know weirdly like when you were talking about the raids and stuff like destiny is my only experience of of playing in a raid that's the only time i've ever done it and it was for the whatever the final expansion was for the first uh, destiny and it was absolutely uh, incredible like i've never had an experience like it in my life it was like every tuesday and thursday we get together and we just try and rumble through the the raid and figure it out. And no spoilers. Um, and it was just brilliant. And I've, you've, you've such a sense of achievement. And for some reason, with Destiny 2, it just it never. I was never able to replicate that. Like I I played it through. I got to like I finished the game, but it just never had the same stickiness that the first. Yeah, one
1: Yeah, I think there was definitely something about the original Destiny that was that was really really cool that they just haven't been able to capture what i like about destiny Two is is that you that you can just kind of noodle about in the game you know you can treat it like a shooting gallery you can kind of mess around do a bit of pvp do a few public quests it's it's a good time killer and you know it's it's a little bit grindy but i, I just find it it's 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 a fun way to, to spend time i just enjoy playing the game you know i like the the, the gunplay in it the you know sort of something that destiny does really well is, is absolutely is, is, yeah is give you different guns to play with and different styles of, of 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 characters to play with and it just for me makes the game particularly compelling
0: is there anything else that you're you currently playing that you're really into
1: um just the stuff that i've kind of mentioned already you know um world of warcraft on and off um hearthstone a lot gran turismo sport i've just uh, beginning to easing off on that after after playing it incessantly and you know you know literally testing every car in the game on the track and seeing how well it performs against other cars um is it good i've not heard an awful lot about that for some reason uh, gran turismo sport's superb i think it's i think it's better than forza 7 it's, it's a smaller game, but I, I've, I've always had a huge soft spot for the Gran Turismo series. It's my favorite racing game series, and it just does racing very well. It does online racing exceptionally well. I think it's, it's probably the, the best online racing that's available. And, um, you know, even though you, you, you always always run into idiots, you know, who, who kind of will try and bash you off the track for the most part it, it it's freer of those people than most racing games i've played just because of the way that that, that its penalty system works it, it it does online racing very well
0: amazing um i feel like we've we've covered all sorts of good stuff here julian um but if there's anything that kind of hasn't come up that you wanted to mention please feel free to do that or if you want to you know direct people to things online if you want people to find you online please do that too
1: yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a bit of a Twitterer, um, so I can be found on 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 Twitter, jazzrignal um, one zi um, I'm 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 on there if, if you're interested in following me, give give me a shout, and um, and uh, you know you, you can read. I, I I tend to sort of look at the old magazines from from back in the day and and pull out interesting what i think at least are, are interesting no i really
0: really enjoy that actually about your twitter feed that, that you pull kind of uh, old articles from this day and like 30 years ago or whatever
1: yeah it's it's it's, it's a bit of fun i mean i i've sort of settled into a, a a well-worn groove now of of, of talking about old magazines so so usually, most of my tweets start with 35 years ago, twenty-five <laughs> years ago, or thirty years ago, this happened." Um, and uh, so, 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 go for that nostalgic feel.
0: But it's it's kind of like one of the things I enjoy about that most. That's kind of we we've talked about it a bit uh, during the chat is how how cyclical everything is, and that, like how how things now that like controversies now were like exactly the same thirty years ago. Just maybe not on such a grander scale, but nevertheless, they're all the same kind of, almost the same kind of characters appear, you know?
1: Yeah, it is surprising sort of how much history does repeat itself. I think, you know, if you do look back at, uh, at magazines, you know, you, you get a lot of the same thing. If you, Particularly if you read letters pages, yeah, you know, you get the same... Same kind of sentiments being talked about, you know, back in even in the mid '80s that 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 people complain about today. Um, you know, there there are definitely new things that people complain about, and and I think just because of the way things are now with online, things are can be a lot more volatile. Yeah, you know, <laughs> people will sort of pile on to the latest. The latest controversies, such as you know, the, the the woman being on the cover of Battlefield Five, you know, the, that sort of thing, and just it just blows my mind how how these things can blow up. Really petty and kind of silly issues. Absolutely. But they 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 you know they 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 blow up into these huge controversies these days, and it can it can be quite tiresome.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of just, just one final thing, like speaking of um, like the letters page and stuff, like that was one of my favorite parts of it. And um, I actually have a friend of mine. He's He was on the show episode 28, I think it is. He's, uh, he's also from Wales, actually. And he, he's now an analyst. He works for some video game analyst company in London um but he was in me machines a lot like as a kid in the letters pages and he would send in photos of himself that people they would just it was just a hashtag roast me basically people would just insult him and that that was the gimmick of it like how who who was behind the the letters or was it just a communal thing everyone did because it seemed like so I, much fun
1: i i was i was i was mean yob and yob in CMVG. i mean the, 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 you were the, mean the, yob that was just you That was just me. And uh, Richard uh, Ledbetter took it over after I did it, but I did it for years. And um, yeah, I've just, you know, when I look back and I I read some of the responses, they're they're pretty funny, even though I say so myself, you know. (laughs) No, they really were. But it was just riffing on what the readers were sending in. You know, if someone was rude to me, I'd be rude to them and, you know, just poke fun at people and, just try and try and have a little bit of fun with the letters pages, and and make them feel lively, and and that way, it sort of helps the people that are writing in raise their game a little bit. You know, so they know that, that, that they know that they're potentially going to get insulted or or whatever. So so they will be creative in a way to sort of help set me set up my answers to be entertaining to them, which was which was something that was really cool. You know, people would send in stuff knowing that, that they were going to get insulted, but they didn't care because they thought it was funny. <laughs> um, it's something that, that, you know, when I look back at things like Insult Corner, I can't imagine doing that these days. <laughs> um, you know, pe- 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 people would probably not appreciate it in the same way that they did back in the day, but um, which is a bit of a shame, you know, it's... it's, it's but humor has changed a lot since since the 90s you know it's evolved and and, and gone in a different direction but I, I can still read that stuff and think it's funny
0: oh no it's amazing and like i i i'm not sure that humour's changed as much i think that the the problem i mean I, the internet is amazing i love the internet the the, the problem with the, this sort of thing is that you know if if you have that in in me machines or whatever like that's you know who's buying that magazine it's for that specific kind of person who will love that whereas on the internet anyone can just kind of wade in and be like hang on a second i do not approve of this and suddenly it becomes a thing you know it's harder yes. you need kind of to have uh, you almost need to kind of bring back magazines in a sense that you know only so you have to pay to get into this and it will be for you specifically. um Although that, uh, as soon as I said that, I started thinking of all sorts of horrible ways people could use that. So maybe, <laughs> maybe not so much. um Listen, this has been such a thrill for me, Julian. Thanks so much for chatting. Was that uh, was that okay for you?
1: Yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed it. It was a bunch of different questions. Hopefully, my answers were entertaining, and I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to 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 seeing this go up online.
0: <laughs> well, we I'll, I'll add in the kind of insult corner afterwards if they weren't sufficient. That's <laughs> <So> <laughs> fine.